This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into signed sports memorabilia, if you're into signed pro wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca, use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They ship worldwide. To all you American listeners, everything's a little bit cheaper because it's at the Canadian dollar, so obviously it's cheaper once you do the conversion. But like I said, they ship worldwide. Please visit the website every day. They update daily comic books, signed wrestling pictures, old WWF magazines, old Coliseum videos. They got it all pretty much. I don't know how they get all this shit, but they do. So please visit them every day if you can. And if you're into video games and books, please visit BossFightBooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Shovel Knight, NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out. And that's at BossFightBooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to baby onesies to travel mugs to phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is there. But please, the most important thing, the easiest thing, the most free thing you could do is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is an All-American wrestler who is a former 24-7 champ. You knew him as Tucker Knight in WWE, professional wrestler Levi Cooper. Yeah, what's happening? What's going on, my friend? How are you today? I'm doing really well, man. Yeah, doing uh, doing great, you know. Been enjoying, uh, enjoying the summer out here in the Northwest. Been a little hotter than I would want, of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, all in all, things are, uh, things are pretty great. How's like regular life there now? Has everything opened up? Is everything more back to normal where you're at? Yeah, just recently, actually, it's gotten to like full capacity. So I live in Vancouver, Washington, which is just across the border from Portland, Oregon. So, you know, obviously got two different states regulations. So there was a little little bit of difference between the two of them. Um, But yeah, as it stands now, I think for about two weeks, things have been opened up 100%. 
Uh, Oregon's got a pretty good vaccination rate. They're like over 70%, I think, at this point, and they're getting close to 75. Right. Washington's a little bit behind that, but the county that I live in is doing well also. So, uh, you know, yeah, things are – my wife and I, last weekend, my birthday is uh, – saturday the 24th so we last weekend we left our three-year-old with uh with the grandparents my folks and uh we went out for a couple nights in portland and it was great man you know it was uh wow. on friday we went and had some tapas at a nice restaurant <laughs> and uh the people in front of us they didn't have a reservation and they were like we're booked man and these guys were like fuck everywhere's booked you know and i'm like hell yeah dude shit's getting back to <laughs> You know, it's getting back. Like, you guys, y'all didn't get a reservation on Friday night. Now you can't get a seat. Like, right. that's what I like to hear, you know? So, that's true. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely getting better here for sure. And how about the mask wearing? Do you guys still have to wear masks indoors or is that optional now? It's optional now. Yeah. Oh, okay. if you're pretty much if you're vaccinated and, oh, sure. uh, you know, well, I mean, the CDC put that out. So it's kind of across the board in America. It's been sort of pandemonium because, Okay. Well, not everyone follows the rules or whatever, right? I mean, it's, it's the honor honor system. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, most there's some establishments still where uh, you know I went to I went to the doctor's office the other day, and they you know you have to obviously wear a mask when you go in there. Uh, there's a couple grocery stores still, and um, but by and large, if you're vaccinated, then the mask is optional. Okay, that's cool because up here. It's still like, and I'm still a bit sketchy of going indoors for some odd reason. Like I'll go to a patio, but again, you need reservations because or else there's no, there's even no point of going. Right. But everything is still mask mandatory. Unless you're sitting down to officially eating, then you could take off your mask. Even if you go to a mall, if you're getting your hair, well, maybe not getting your haircut because it might get in the way, but like your everyday other stuff, you still have to wear a mask up here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the mask is. Uh, in some instances, it makes sense, kind of, you know, I mean, obviously, it has worked to some degree, the the flu is like the lowest flu season there's been in recorded history, right. essentially, so, okay, I mean, to me, that's like, pretty much definitive proof that the mask is working in some, ex- to some degree, in terms of contagion spreading, Right. Um, you know, is it an inconvenience sometimes, certainly it is, you know, to me, it's sort of polite, like, especially, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm doing it when I'm not vaccinated to take, to take care of people around me. Cause I think that it's the polite thing to do. Um, but I also think that, you know, especially in, in America and I'm sure in Canada, you feel the same way about, you know, sort of your personal autonomy and how everyone can make that decision for themselves. And, uh, you know, we should respect that to some degree. Um, exactly. also, so, you know, it's, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it's become much too much of a, of an issue in my opinion or it's like i mean it makes sense to some degree yes and also you know it 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 can be overkill in some instances as well but uh you know i mean i guess people's judgment is not always that great so yeah no kidding what can you do what can you do well so as mentioned you're an all-american in college when did you start your amateur career was it in high school was it in college no i I started as a sixth grader oh shit wrestling okay yep so which, I mean, to some extent, is kind of late in America. Like, there's people starting wrestling at four or five years old like, on a fairly regular basis, you know. Um, <clears throat> I didn't come from a wrestling background. You know, my dad didn't wrestle. My mom didn't wrestle. So, I mean, I think my dad wrestled one year as, like, a fourth grader or something in okay. AAU or whatever, you know. <laughs> he played basketball in high school and stuff. Sure. And uh, it's actually interesting because 
in middle school, the season wrestling and basketball seasons were different. And I, I grew up playing basketball, you know, since oh. I was probably like first grader or okay. something. And, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of big, so sure. like I, not, I can't jump and I can't shoot, but my dad was like, Hey, you see the painted area. That's your area. If anyone comes in it, you always touch them. Like, you know, you work hard, you do these things. And like, so I was a pretty good basketball player in terms of just like boxing kids out, rebounding, you know, whatever, like, there you go. and, uh, so as a freshman, it was kind of a difficult decision. Like, whether I was going to wrestle or play basketball, because once you get into high school, you have to choose one or the other. They're the same seasons. Right. Uh, it just so happened that in middle school, they were separate seasons. So, uh, and it's funny because my, you know, basically me, my dad sat me down and has a conversation. Like at the time I want to play college football. That's like everything that I'm doing is that's why I want to be a division one college football player, you know? Okay. So he's like, Hey, look, man, there's a lot of six foot white guys that can't jump really high, but you're a pretty good wrestler. And like, I think <laughs> wrestling will help you be better offensive linemen. Uh, like you should probably wrestle and not play basketball, you know, which is sure. great advice. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately I, uh, I ended up wrestling and, um, you know, when it came time to decide college wise, you know, I've said, I, I wanted to be a division one football player and that was kind of my dream. Mm. Um, I got some D two and some D three offers to play football Okay. But I didn't have any Division One uh, football opportunities, you know, not even to walk on as a Division One football player. And uh, I ultimately did get recruited as a Division One wrestler. And uh, I guess when I, you know, leveled with myself, I I wanted to be a Division One athlete more than I wanted to be a football player, and that uh, uh, okay. ultimately led to me, you know, wrestling in college. Uh, I didn't go to Arizona State at first. Actually, I. Uh, I had kind of a crazy journey. Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, you, like, you hit a ton of schools, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, not really any fault of my own, you know. It, was, it wasn't like I was messing up or, you know, you know, whatever. I mean, not that I didn't party and have a good time. Of course I sure. did. But, but I was going to school and, like, you know, taking care of my business. I wasn't fucking up in any way. It just so happened that, uh, you know, this is 2008, 2009. So we've just had the housing bubble and uh, the government's been spending a bunch of money. And the reason that's important is because some college uh, fiscal budgets, particularly public schools, are, are having, you know, budget issues because government's cutting you know, cutting things across the board. And sure. so that was an opportunity for Portland state to uh, get rid of their wrestling program. So I went there as a freshman, 2008, 2009 season. It was their last one, last one ever. Still don't have a wrestling program to this day. Mm -hmm. um, I end up me and two of my buddies from, uh, from Portland state. We go to California state Bakersfield. We end up, oh, okay. you know, going there. I got some academic money actually from them. And, uh, yeah, they were they were a Pac-12 affiliate or Pac-10 affiliate school too. So and so was Portland State. So the whole time I stayed in the same conference, even though Arizona State was the only true, you know, Pac-12 school or Pac-10 school at the time that I, you know, wrestled for. Right. Um, Bakersfield they went through the same deal essentially, but they cut four sports: tennis, I think men's and women's men's and women's tennis, golf, and wrestling. Okay. And they basically said like. If you guys can raise X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. you guys can bring the sports back. You know, it was yeah. very, it was a fairly transparent process. Like mm -hmm. these are strictly budgetary cuts. We're not bringing back one or two sports. It's all or nothing. This is how much money it will take. And uh, I took the opportunity as a free transfer. You know, not to, uh, at the time, I, uh, you could lose a year if you transferred, but under these circumstances, you wouldn't. So 
you know, I'm like, this is my second school in two years. It's cut. Like I ain't waiting around to see if they're going to save this school <laughs> exactly. summer or whatever, you know, like I'm out of here. True. Plus Bakersfield's not the greatest place in the world. No disrespect to anyone from Bakersfield, but you know, whatever. It's just not, not my favorite place in the desert. Right. Um, I'd rather be in Tempe. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, man, got to Arizona state and, uh, it was awesome. And the rest is history, as they say. So, okay, now I got to ask, which school did you have the most fun in? Not in terms of wrestling, just like partying and shit. Oh, of course, Arizona State. Oh, was it? Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's not even close. I mean, Arizona State, like, there was times where I was like, holy shit, dude, this is like movie party type stuff. Really? Like, the pool's so packed, you can't even get in the pool. Oh, wow. People banging in the pool in the middle of the day. Like, girls are starfish passed out at 2 in the afternoon on the deck of the pool because they're too drunk, you know, whatever. Like, craziness, man. And, like... I remember a Halloween party my first year there. It was okay. like athletes party. And like I swear every athlete in the school was at this party. Got shut down by the cops. <laughs> People were dancing on the roof. It was fucking just bedlam. Oh like, my God. I couldn't believe it. But it was, it was a great time. And then Mill Avenue in Tempe too is... Uh, is awesome too. I mean, it's, you know, it's great. Great bar scene there. Um, I mean, also, I was a freshman and an 18-year-old at Portland State. So, you know, Portland is definitely a, a town that being you need to be 21 to fully appreciate and enjoy. Oh, wow. Okay, um, gotcha. You know, so I guess that's also, I mean, it may have been different. I would feel different about it if I was at Portland State while I was uh, old enough to drink. You know, I sure. love Portland. I grew up there and I have great times, but... I can't imagine. I mean, Arizona State's massive, too. It's the second largest school in America. It's got over 40,000 kids on its main campus. I mean, so it's, you know, one of my favorite things would just sit between in between classes, you know, just go by the MU or the Memorial Union in the middle of campus, put some sunglasses on (laughs) and, uh, you know, break neck left and right all day long to catch my drift. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, did you have an end goal for amateur wrestling? Like, did you want to go to the Olympics? Did you like want to be a pro wrestler? Did you have that already in your mind? What was going on? Yeah, I mean, initially, I wanted to be a Division One All American. That was what that was the journey that I sort of set out on when I uh, when I started as a wrestler. You know, that was like okay. the first goal that I set for myself as a, as like a freshman. You know, going into college. Sure. Um, ultimately, I think. Another reason I chose to wrestle instead of play football was my goal in high school was to be a state champion in wrestling. And my goal was to play in the East West shrine game in football. Oh, And okay. I played in that shrine game, the East West shrine game. And, uh, and I lost in the state finals twice oh, shit. my junior and senior year, both and never won a state, uh, state title in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think maybe looking back on it as a more mature adults you know i think that was that played into my ultimate you know decision to wrestle too maybe a little bit so i I felt like i had unfinished business as a wrestler and uh you know i was i thought i was capable of uh you know being a guy that was you know top 10 top five in the country um you know and i mean I hadn't won state championship you know i i did beat a california state champion right before i went into college and that was their own they only have one division in california this is the best guy in the whole state of california mm. i beat him in overtime at this tournament in reno um and so i knew you know like well you know like i think i can get good enough here and um ultimately i i got to wrestle with ben Askren. my that oh, one year you. my first year at arizona state ben Askren was our uh 
you know, heavy, big guy coach, essentially. Sure. I mean, you know, coached everyone, but he yeah. primarily focused on 174, 184, 197, and heavyweight 285. Um, and man, it was just a special, special year, you know, that we had, that yeah, my I first year at ASU was, couldn't be more special, you know, it was just like, we got six as a team. We have Anthony Robles. He wins a national championship. With oh, wow. That's right. Crazy inspirational story. Yep. We have Bubba Jenkins, who of course. has his own crazy story, you know, like, right. I mean, it's, you know, it obviously was a bit overshadowed by Anthony because yeah. it's, it's Anthony Robles, the guy, you know, this, I mean, just most incredible thing ever. But, you know, the, the poetry of a guy basically being run out of Penn State run out of town by a new coach and the guy who's brought in to replace him and they meet in the in the NCAA finals and he pins him. Fuck. Right. That's movie stuff, dude. You and know? don't worry. A lot of people are going to know who Bubba is. Cause he's, I think he's going to take that mill into PFL. He looks different, win, man. He's he looks, he's hungry. He's gonna, he looks very focused, dude. He looks as focused as I've ever seen him. You know, it's true. Like, he looks focused like he was that season to me. Like, ah, okay. You know, not to disrespect, like, you know, I mean, he's, he's done his things in MMA, sure. but I think he's, he's had his ups and downs, obviously. And, uh, yeah, man, he looks, and he's a scary man, you know, he's <laughs> on, bro. He's the scariest guy as it comes. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. I remember one time, dude, I was like, we were, we were drinking or whatever. Okay, yeah. I, this was after he won the national championship. Sure. And, uh, I was just like, dude. You can't even hit that hard, bro. Just slug me right here in the shoulder as hard as you can. Just go ahead one time, bro. Just get me. Sure. Oh, dude. I think that hurt for like a week, man. I was like, oh, my wow. God. That was a bad choice. Like, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. With the wrestling and his power, that's perfect for MMA. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, he's got them long arms, man. You know, he's, I agree with you. I mean, I, obviously, I'm biased, but <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know, he. Uh, I mean, he took down the back-to-back champ in, the, in his first fight, so yep. you know, it's looking good. Yeah, no kidding. So, what what weight class did you wrestle in? I was a heavyweight, yeah, two eighty-five. Oh, okay. So did okay. So now. Not a lot of, they say not a lot of good wrestlers are heavyweight because most heavyweights go, like you said, football and stuff like that. So how yeah. is it like not being forced uh, over, because in uh, people, some people don't understand, like in amateur wrestling, the lighter weights get more of the spotlight than the heavyweights, right? So typically, did yeah. you feel that? Was that like something that you wanted to prove wrong to people? Well, I mean, I feel like that attitude sort of persists more, especially now, okay. but it, it, even during my time, like that's more of a high school thing, you uh-huh. know, and I mean, especially like there was, I think, I don't know exactly the specific number, but I think it's in the mid eighties of okay. division one programs in America. Now that's not a lot of spots, right? You're talking mm. about like top hundred guys were not necessarily because some of them played football, obviously, right, right. but uh, you know, you also have that 220 weight class in high school, but the college weights go 197, 285. Oh, so, okay. You know, and that's why you, you'll see a lot of heavyweights that are successful at that weigh 225 or 230 that, mm-hmm. you know, move really well. And, you know, the days are not so much of the mm-hmm. kind of big, you know, three to two. I mean, there's still those guys. There'll always be those guys. But you look at, I mean, the guy who won NCAA championship this year, Gable Steveson, is and then made the Olympic team and, and mm-hmm. is a lot of people's favorite to win the gold medal as you know, he's 20 years old, maybe uh, just turned 21, possibly. Okay. And I mean, the dude wrestles like he puts up points. He Shit. he has a variety of leg attacks, um, okay. and he's not the only one. I mean, there's a kid from Michigan, Mason Mason Paris, same thing. 
and you know, like I said, even when I was wrestling in college, I feel like, um, you know, the guys who, you know, uh, Tony Nelson from Minnesota won the national championship. Uh, Nick Wisdowski was like right after him and all these guys, I mean, they're hitting leg attacks and they're, you know, wrestling. Um, I mean, physiologically, the primary difference really between really big bodies and small bodies, not to get crazy, but like <laughs> shoulder to hip ratio okay. is, is different. So Think about like a guy who weighs 130, 135 pounds. If you look at his glute and you look at his deltoids, they're pretty similar in size. True. But if you look at someone who's 250 or above and you look at their delts versus their glutes, it's typically like two to one. Mm, so that, makes sense. that dictates yeah. the style of wrestling a little bit because you can't get in and fight shoulder to hip in sure. the same way as a heavyweight as you can as a small wrestler too. So you know, not to make excuses for us, but, uh, there is a, there is some truthfully, you know, physiological things that make heavyweight wrestling, you know, different. And, uh, you know, I mean, not, it's cliche, but you got to chop down a tree, right? I mean, you can't be That's getting true. under a fresh guy's hips right away. Whereas little guys, like you'll see him get in those battles all the time and right. no problem. Like, but you don't see heavyweights do that because most of the time, you can't win that battle early on with the fresh guy. Like you have to get their weight moving wrong so that, you know, that it works against them. If you have their weight coming straight into you, it's not going to be, it's not going to work. So. <laughs> no kidding. So did you ever think of, uh, and speaking of MMA, did you ever think of going into MMA yourself? I mean, of course I considered it, you know, oh, thought okay. about it. Sure. Um, I mean, I just like, when it came down to it, I think the two things that led me, well, I was ready to be done being an athlete when I graduated from college. Truthfully, I have an accounting degree and okay. I was, I was ready to just get an accounting job and, uh, I shouldn't say just, I mean, it's not like it would be an easy job, but right, right. you know, try to work my way up as a you know competitor in corporate America, essentially. Sure. And, uh, then WWE came knocking and, uh, and my plans changed because I, that was an amazing opportunity um, you know, ultimately, I guess back to the MMA, I didn't, I, I didn't really want to get punched in the face if I'm being truthfully honest. <laughs> okay. like, that didn't sound like a fun thing to me at all. It seems like, I mean, I've been punched in the face before. It kind of sucks. Like, so getting punched in the, not that, I mean, doling out punishment, but I'm not really a mean guy. Like not to say that everyone in MMA is mean, but sure. you know, it's not like, I mean, I've only been in two fist fights ever, you know? And like, it's not something I seek out. It's not something I really enjoy that kind of feeling like, I do in a controlled environment. Obviously, that's why I wrestle and do those right. kind of things. But in an uncontrolled, I mean, I, I know MMA is whatever. But ultimately, then the other piece was I thought about this kind of the stress of wrestling and how that sort of affected me. And like, do I want to live and die by that? Like, truthfully, just uh -huh. do I want to try to make my meals by that? And for me, it was like, no, I would much rather, you know, get a job and do something that's more consistent. And just, you know, like I said, I mean, I, at that time, I've been wrestling for, I think, 14 or 15 years, right? Sure. Straight since sixth grade. So, okay. uh, or 12. Yeah. 13 years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, uh, cause I did five years in college. So, you know, yeah, I was almost 23 and, uh, and so I was, I just didn't want to wrestle anymore at that point in time. You know, I was ready no, to kind of sense. just take a break from wrestling and MMA was pretty similar to it. So, okay. Um, you know, and then when, like I said, when WWE, uh, gave me an opportunity, um, you know, it, it seemed like something different and new, 
I knew there'd be a lot of things that I need to learn. Um, and that was kind of what excited me about it, you know, that, um, yeah, just the kind of uh, unknown basically. And, and obviously getting to continue to do some level of athletic endeavor and, uh, you know, stay in shape and just kind of whatever other opportunities presented themselves from it. Um, you know, it just seemed very cool. And, um, I don't know. There also, I think a piece of me and, and my now wife girlfriend at the time, like, Mm -hmm moving across the country and just trying to make a go of it ourselves was appealing to us also. I think there was a bit of that, you know, it's like, you're going to move, you know, to Florida (laughs) and have no lifelines essentially. I mean, obviously my, my parents and her parents would help us out if if necessary, but you know, not having them around the corner to buy you dinner or whatever the case may be is right. And just, Hey, like we're going here, we're in an apartment and like, (laughs) we're going to try to do this adult thing. Um, so it was kind of all of that that was, you know, most kind of exciting for me at the time. Oh, no, that's pretty good. Okay, so before we get to WWE, I'm sure that's what a lot of people want to hear as well. One thing, did you have to cut weight then as a heavyweight or did you just like hover around something and that was good enough for you? Yeah, typically, no, I didn't. Oh, um, you're lucky then. Like I said, the weight class is 285. Um, right, right. At ASU during the summer, I would get up to 300 pounds or so in the, okay. in the weight room, just get big. But then... Uh, we always, you always had like eight or nine weeks of training before your first competitions. I remember it being like a pretty long period. Sure. And that, you know, I think that started like the last week in August, maybe, or the first week in September. So, you know, in Arizona, it's still really hot at that time. And we're like, we're training on the track a few times a week. Um, you know, in the weight room, we're, we're not power lifting like we were in the summer. We're now doing much more circuits and I'm, you know, wrestling probably six days a week for 90 to, you know, minutes to two hours. Mm. Um, I would lose 25 pounds or something in that eight weeks. Like, and I'd be trying to keep weight on as best best I could. And uh, ultimately, you know, I would get down to usually about 265 or 270 was kind of the weight that my body would just sort of naturally get to and then maintain. Um, And, so yeah, I didn't really have to cut weight too much. There were a couple times I remember my freshman year at Portland State, I had to not for that, but mm-hmm. um, I did university nationals afterwards because okay. the program got cut. But we had some money, so coach was going to take us there, um, and I was trying to get noticed, you know. So I, sure. I needed to go and have a good performance. And uh, the weight class is 120 kilos, which is 264 and a half. Okay, so. Uh, and I think I was weighing like 275 at the time or something. So it was like, I mean, for me, not a difficult cut, but 10 pounds or so. Do you think you would have been an amateur wrestler if you had to constantly keep cutting weight? Probably not. No, <laughs> but I also think there's this, there's an attitude of cutting. I think people cut too much weight, you know? So do I, honestly. Like in high school. And if you have aspirations of wrestling in college, don't cut weight to me. Like just, I mean, you can manage your weight and, and have a proper diet and whatever, but like, I mean, you're growing, you should be feeling good, you know? And if that means right. that, you know, you, I mean, there's one hour weigh-ins in amateur wrestling. It's like, I mean, I watch guys on my college team cut, you know, 12, 13 pounds as, as middleweights. And I mean, there's just, you can't do that and be a success. It's like, if you feel like you're having a victory when you step on the scale, right. then, and I mean, look, it is what it is, you know, yeah. and whatever, but, um, I probably wouldn't have, if, especially if someone was trying to make me cut a lot of weight, you know, mm. and I don't think I was disciplined enough, especially in high school to have done it correctly either. You know, I didn't have good enough habits. 
Um, not like no disrespect to my parents, but they, they not the, you know, they don't have the healthiest habits when it comes to eating, They're not the worst people ever or anything, but, um, you know, whatever it is, what it is, they were super busy and they had to do what they had to do. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them or I love them <laughs> to death, but you know, they, I've had to kind of change my thinking around food a little bit around like, I mean, I guess the main thing was in my house and like in a lot of houses in America, taste is the number one thing that you think about and discuss as it pertains to food. And, you know, now I think about food and, and try to discuss it with my wife and my family as fuel for your body, right? It's the things that you eat so that you can do the things that you want to do in your life. And yes, occasionally, yes. like it should be something that you can do gluttonously and enjoy, but you know, the mainstay of it, four fifths of it, at least in my opinion, should be, you know, to try to fuel your body. Yeah, no kidding. I totally agree. All right, so to WWE, you mentioned it was something new and they contacted you. So were you even a, rest, a pro wrestling fan beforehand? Uh, yes. I mean, okay, I, okay. I wasn't like a big fan, you know. I was born in 1990, so I grew up during the Attitude Era, right, coming of age during Monday Night Wars. So, sure. of course, I watched it. It was awesome, you know. <laughs> I remember being amazing, Stone Cold, The Rock, you know, Triple H, The Hardys, like, of course. you know, early – early Brock, Kurt, like it was cool. Um, and then once I like, particularly once I got into high school, um, and I knew I wanted to try to play division one sports, then sort of everything, not everything. I mean, I still had other enjoyments, but in terms of like watching stuff, it was always, you know, wrestling or football that I was watching Mm. and paying attention to and trying to learn things about. And, you know, like I, I love riding four wheelers. I love skiing, uh, I stopped doing those things after my freshman year in high school because I knew I wasn't disciplined enough to not go crazy and try to like test myself and be competitive. Okay. And I knew if I hurt myself, I was going to be real disappointed. So, um, Makes you know, I just I, I gave those things up. And, and so, you know, wrestling, pro wrestling was one of the things that, um, you know, I didn't really watch. Uh, I, I went to it a few times. Um when it live, you know, I came in Portland a couple of different times, particularly like when I was first growing up, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't allowed. Like the state government had oh, banned MMA and wrestling for really? a number of years in Oregon. Yeah. Oh, wow. And my grandfather actually, Cliff Sonner, rest in peace, just passed away this last year. An amazing man, uh, was a representative in the house of, of representatives in Oregon Okay. and helped, uh, pass that law. Oh, that's awesome. And so when, uh, when it first came back, we went to the show. It was a WWE live event. Kane and Undertaker was the main event. There you go. And uh, then I, I think it was 2012. I went to Money in the Bank when it was in Arizona when Ooh. Dolph Ziggler won it. Um, so that you know, just I, I mean, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of it, but I paid attention to it a little bit, and um, you know, I knew about it a little bit. So how did they find you? How did they search you? And how did they contact you? Yeah. So at the time, they had. Um, I th- uh, he doesn't work for the company anymore, but Jer- Gerald Briscoe. Okay, yeah, of course. Um, he, yeah, so he uh, was basically a talent scout for them and essentially worked the amateur wrestling circuit to Makes find yeah. talent to bring to tryouts, basically. So I had a tryout uh, in Tampa, actually, the last one before they moved to Orlando oh, okay. with like maybe 25 people. And I think they ended up hiring four or five of those people. Uh, like Akum from, it was mostly amateur wrestlers. Okay. Uh, Sonny Dinza is his name from AOP, Authors of Pain, he was at that tryout. Right. Uh, Chad Gable, Chaz Betts, he was at that tryout. There you go. Um, so, anyways, so Jerry Briscoe was, 
he, he talked to me in Vegas, Las Vegas, Cliff Keen Invitational, my senior year. Uh, we exchanged information, and uh, he just said, "Hey, once you graduate, you know, contact me, and we'll we'll get you to a tryout, um, and then and we'll see what happens." Basically, you know, and he wasn't. I mean, I don't even think he came to the tryout. He no, he did actually. He did. He was there the second day. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it, but like I said, it was a pretty small tryout comparatively. But it was in Tampa, which was a small facility too. I think like two or three rings only. Kind of a small warehouse. Mm. Nothing compared to the performance center. Right. So you were there from the pretty much the get go of the, the performance center, right? Almost. Yeah. So I had my tryout in June. I got hired in July, actually on my birthday, which is kind of crazy. They right. called me. And, uh, Shit, that's awesome. and they, they started the PC, I think in July, but I, okay. the hiring process took like five months or so. And so I didn't start until actually January, January 4th, 2014 was the day I started. So, okay. Do you think not being like a real, real Mark, as they say, helped you and not being as nervous as someone that would be like in love with WWE? I think there was trade-offs with it, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't that many. A lot of people kind of came from the indies, you know. And, ah, true. And so um, there's a little bit of just like, and rightfully so, you have to prove yourself a little bit, right? That you care, that you're not just there to whatever. Uh, and, um, wasting your time. You know, time. because yeah, they're, yeah. they're protecting the business to some extent, right? Of and so, um, you know, I think that was kind of a i don't know that it's necessarily a negative but just something that you kind of have to overcome right is, is this like perception of you a little bit as an amateur wrestler and you know i mean there was a lot of things i had to unlearn or or kind of put to the wayside right and, and say like you know i'm learning this whole new thing right. uh you gotta learn all the terminology i remember being something i had not considered and something that was like, whoa, hey, like they're throwing around all these words and terms and, you know, <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, you yeah. know, so um, it was culture shock to some extent, you know. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think all in all coming in there and like, I mean, the best way to come into the Performance Center is on fire and go straight on TV and have, I mean, right, the Kev, like Kevin Owens style, sure. Finn Balor, like, if you're picking away, that would be the ultimate way to come in the building. Like that's been the people I've seen that have been most successful trying to kind of grind your way up from the bottom and get on TV is, uh, you know, it's not always the easiest thing, not just, not for me, but for a lot of people, like a lot of people it's, it's been, it has been difficult for them to, you know, kind of, if you haven't been a wrestler before and kind of come in with them kind of specifically wanting to use you, there's been a little bit of, uh, you know, I mean, it's just you have to you have to start from scratch, right, and kind of create a character exactly. and uh, and sort of figure it all out, you know. And there's just a lot of moving parts to that, especially if you don't come from that world. It's like you're getting. I remember, you, like, you get a lot of information, okay, and a lot of times you get that information and it doesn't make sense at the time, but then later on it does make sense. And okay. so, how well are you? How well <laughs> can you kind of catalog and like? tease through things and like okay that's something that's really relevant right now that's something i need to remember for later on and Mm -hmm. whose opinion do i you know really listen to and like everyone will kind of tell you and you know it's flavors of ice cream right it's subjective to some extent so figuring out kind of whose opinions are the ones that 
really are in sync with what you're trying to accomplish, right? Not that like other ones are bad necessarily, but it's okay. Right. Like this person really gets what I'm going for. So when they give me some information, I'm like, I really try to soak it in as much as possible and, and really use it. And, uh, and maybe sometimes you'll get some, uh, some advice that you may wholeheartedly try to apply, but then it doesn't work that well for you or something. And, and sure. so being able to kind of figure those things out. Right. And, also, I think when to exercise sort of your defiance gene, right? Like when do you kind of row with the stream versus when do you say, hey, this is something I really believe in and I want to fight for and like I'll die on this hill. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. So, you know, I think being an amateur wrestler and kind of being rooted in my process and uh, having my, my sort of self-esteem wrapped around you know, how hard I work and sort of my daily effort, I think was definitely beneficial for me in comparison to some, maybe other people that I saw. Um, So that was definitely something I think was an advantage was just, I mean, there's nowhere to hide on an amateur wrestling mat, right? Like you're out there, it's, you're against another man. And uh, (laughs) if you ain't ready physically, mentally, or psychologically, then you might get exposed. And, uh, then you got to go to bed and, uh, and then you either be honest with yourself or you lie to yourself. And, you know, if you want to get good, then you got to be honest with yourself. So you learn how to do that. And, uh, it's not always the easiest thing to do in professional wrestling, right? Cause it's very whimsy. Right. Um, so, you know, that was, I think, I think that definitely helped me out a lot. Kind of grounded me in in my logic, if you will. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because I was gonna say I'm I'm assuming obviously the technical stuff too you gravitated towards pretty easily and stuff like that. And now and on the flip side, did a lot of other guys who weren't amateur wrestlers come to you for advice on certain like sort of speak suplexes and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, we would you know guys would have discussions about kind of yeah like maybe some technique things. You know what I mean? Sure. Or. Uh, yeah, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's a, a litany of incredible coaches there. So, being, you know, pulling information from them and kind of getting, that's, that's your primary source, right? I mean, you have, there's so many good, you know, I, I think I started with uh, Robbie Brookside Oof. and then I had Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, wow. uh, you know, Norman Smiley. Ooh. Uh, Matt Bloom, Tensai, Prince Albert, uh, Billy Gunn, Steve Carino. Oh, good old Canadian. Um, Donnie Moss. Wow. UK. Um, Terry Taylor. Um, you know, early on in my time, Dusty Rhodes. Of course. Um, so, you know, with, with, if you, you know, if you're not getting better and improving with those guys helping you out, then, you know, you're not doing it correctly. And, uh, you know, but of course with talent, right. You're in a class typically with 10, 12 people and, uh, you know, we're rolling around and we're, we're with these people all the time, you know, and you're having matches with them. And so, um, you know, it's always awesome when you're, when you have matches with people and you have this really cool kind of back and forth where there's not a lot of ego involved. Mm. And, uh, you know, 
people are like, if I put out an idea and somebody has an idea off of that, they might be, they say, Oh, what do you think about doing it like this? And it's like, Oh yeah, hell yeah. Well, what if we add this to it? Right. Awesome dude. Yeah. Well, what if we put this before it? Sweet. And so it's kind of this like, not like, mm, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I don't want to <laughs> do that. And then not offer something else up. Sure. You know, it's like, all right, well, fuck. Um, you know, so when you have those kind of things, that's awesome, right? It's just that kind of amazing collaboration. I'm sure kind of, you know, all artists know when that's, when that's working well, how, uh, how beneficial that can be to the creative process. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, now I got to know, where did the name Tucker Knight come from? Dude, honestly, it was just, I just put a, like, I just made a list of names. Oh, did you? Early okay. On. Yeah, and I didn't, I mean, I wish kind of going back, I would have had the foresight to, maybe do something a little more inspired. You know, I didn't know it was going to stick like that at the time. It was sort of like, I don't know, a list of 15. And I think only like four of them came back and I didn't really like any of them, but it was sort of like, well, you need to pick one of these. You can change it later. And then it never happened. So we tried to early on in heavy machinery, we tried to get our names, single names, tank, dozer, heavy machinery. Oh, there you go. But they couldn't trademark Dozer, so they couldn't do it. Mm, okay, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Well, yeah. and speaking of tag teams, when did that all that come up? Because obviously you win in as singles, and when did they match these guys together? Yeah, so I've been there for about two and a half years. And uh, and then Otis, he, uh, he came in, yeah, like I think maybe three months before that or so, four months before. And, uh, actually Matt Bloom put us together and, uh, you know, it was just like, Hey, I think I'm going to try you guys together. Let's see how it goes. And we were actually heels our first time wrestling. Mm. And, uh, uh, then the next weekend we were booked as baby faces and it it worked all right. And, uh, so we just kind of continued to be baby faces from there on. And, uh, you know, we we're both kind of small town blue collar kids. I'm from Hubbard, Oregon. 2000 people mm-hmm. he's from superior wisconsin which is a little bigger but it's way up way up north on the canadian on lake superior yep. and uh you know so it's it's its own kind of special blue collar place yep. um and we were both high level heavyweights you know he was pretty third at one point third on the greco ladder at heavyweight senior so you know the third best greco heavyweight in the country um and i think so both of our journeys sort of you know, we kind of had a similar, um, I guess, moral and, and philosophical thought, you know, it wasn't like something we had to sort of discuss or that we butted heads over. I think sure. when it came to sort of like respecting each other and, and having that level of respect and not like trying to measure dicks or anything like that. Right. Just like, okay, okay this is understood. We don't have to talk about it. It's right. just there. And like, we love that about each other and, and like, let's come together and let's take on the world. Um, you know, that was kind of pretty early on. So I knew we had something, something with legs pretty early because you could just tell like, Oh, there's something, there's just something here. Like we have, we have some kind of, and like what he has a lot of, I don't have, but what I have a lot of, he doesn't right. Primarily like, obviously he's just very outlandish and over the top when you let him just be himself. And, uh, but he's not super articulate, no disrespect to him. And, And that's sort of where I come in. Right. Like I can talk, I can, slow it down and try to mm, emphasize things or like I could really speed it up and talk quickly if you need me to and try to get a bunch of words out in a short period of time. Like <laughs> I could do those things. He can't do those things. So when it right. comes to, you know, speaking and then obviously 
I mean, on the main roster, we had one formula and we just stuck to it because that was what we were told to do. Right. Um, in NXT, we were able to, you know, switch it up and have a lot of different matches. And, you know, he would take the heat and I would run the comeback and we would do different things. Um, it's just the way that things happen on the main roster, you know. I mean, and at the time I thought like, well, I thought we'd be together for a while. So I was like, OK, well, you know, we'll just get we'll just get as much out, out of this as we can. And then when the time comes, we can switch it up you know that's i've seen people do that and why not why not us so right, right. uh ultimately it didn't play out that way but <laughs> yeah no kidding because it, and again it showed like you guys came off like you guys were best friends forever and you guys played off each other's strengths and stuff like that and were you so okay well in nxt it's a bit different because they actually have good tag teams and they support the tag team division down there but when you were called up were you like nervous like oh should we even bother continuing and trying as hard as a tag team they're just going to split us up anyways i mean you know i didn't think that of course i want to have like a really long a really long run you know okay so you and, did okay. uh we uh you know i see we i thought that we were going to have um have a decent run you know obviously okay. i mean that was what that was what i was hoping for for sure um and, you know, I think we, who knows what would have happened if COVID didn't happen, right? Everything could be different, in my opinion, that's around that. Because so for us, anyways, that's when everything changed, um, right. primarily going into that WrestleMania. But, you know, I think one thing that we talked about together and we considered was, um, okay, well, when you're moving from NXT to the main roster, mm-hmm. I don't think you can count on your main roster works already speaking for you when you move up because in my opinion maybe only 20 percent, possibly higher in like a really concentrated market you know like Mm. new york or something like that maybe more people there have nxt you know but at the time it's only on the network so to me i'm saying i think only 15 to 20 percent, and maybe lower than that when we're in the midwest and the south Mm. people are watching the network like they're just catching it on tv and they're watching it when it comes to town and that's it so don't you can't expect to already be over you got to re-get over and i think you got to think about okay well if we could start over from day one with our act what would that look like and how would we do that and let's you don't have to necessarily do that but you should be thinking about like when i come up it's a new thing you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that's one piece of it obviously there's a big time disconnect between the creative and nxt and the creative on the main roster i don't think that's some big secret like of course it's pretty well known at this point right uh that's across the board right it's i think it's just easier to overcome as a singles competitor in my opinion a little bit because you're your own vessel and you're not potentially like I mean, you know, Vince loved Otis and he didn't love me as much. Like, not that he did, didn't like me or something. Right, right. But, you know, he saw massive dollar signs with Otis right away. Right. And I don't know that he necessarily saw kind of the little things that I didn't do maybe a good enough job of, like, really highlighting, like, hey, this is what I do and this is why you need me. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, so and that's my fault, ultimately. Um, but so, you know, I think, yeah, there's there's a multitude of factors to come over right overcome excuse me overcome as it pertains to moving up mm-hmm. um you know and if you're really in touch with your character then and it, then it becomes easier but still if you're asked to do something that you're not comfortable doing but they say you have to say this or you have to do this mm-hmm. then you know like you have to be a pretty good actor to to deal with that situation right or, or however it is like or, i mean you know, I learned method acting while I was there and have a large appreciation for it. And it's something that, um, you know, I've tried to apply to wrestling in terms of just finding pieces of myself that, you know, I can kind of go into and use. Sure. Um, 
in certain situations. Um, so, you know, I think it, it just takes, you just have to be very, very skilled to make that transition. It's just, you know, it's obviously it's a step up in pressure as well. And kind of just the environment, you know, you have to not, you're now traveling every week. So you have to deal with like booking hotels and booking rental cars and getting food while you're on the road and doing all this, all the other things that, sure. you know, so there's some, and leaving your house every single week. And so, you know, it's, um, it's just a lot and it's a lot. And, and, um, you know, I feel like I handled it all right. But then when I look back on, you know, kind of, and some of this was obviously around my situation as it pertained to Otis and, and heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I wasn't in the greatest mental place in, in my, you know, last year there or something. I mean, it, it had gotten to me a little bit because it's just a lot, man. It's just a lot, you know, it's, uh, and especially on, on a young family, I just didn't, I don't think I knew exactly how much, um, how much it would, how much it would take, you know, or just how much it would be. And, uh, and, you know, my wife's amazing and and we've had good conversations around it and, but it's, you know, it's been, it was a big time challenge. And uh, so I have so much respect for all those guys that do it on a week in week out basis and have been doing it for so long, man, because it's hard on your body and that's well documented, but it's also very difficult on, on, you know, your, your psyche and, uh, and just, you know everything man it's it's uh it takes its toll certainly i could only imagine yeah that's what everyone says but you had the opportunity of pretty much wrestling on all three brands okay politics aside and everything which brand did you have the most fun on smackdown really okay yep yep yeah just had a great time with the i mean not that i didn't have a great time in nxt you know right right it's i mean there's periods of time in NXT that maybe were more enjoyable. I don't know. It's hard, right? I was there for five years. And in those five years, I think like there was only three talent that were still in the building when I moved up that were in the building when I started. Oh shit. So you're talking about like 95% turnover, right? Cause there's over a right. hundred people in that right, okay. building. So yeah, yeah. You know, so it's NXT has like different waves in in my brain of like, you know, times and, you know, your buddies would get let go. The people you'd be close to would move up or get let go. And (laughs) then, you know, new people that maybe you knew before, like from amateur wrestling would come in. You're like, all right, hell yeah, I got someone coming in or whatever. Right. So shit. Um, but the time I had on SmackDown was we had a great time with the Usos and, uh, and the New Day and then obviously getting to work with uh, Daniel Bryan was amazing. And uh, so it was, yeah, I would say SmackDown. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then you get your, your singles run after when these guys got split apart because of the draft. We're, again, going back to were you a bit nervous? You're, like you said, your psyche was a bit down at the time. And then when they put the, well, again, I shouldn't say put the 24-7 because that was mere seconds. But when you got that sort of like in that little division, did you think, okay, I'm up and running. I actually have a chance now. Um, I mean, yeah, I thought I had a chance, you know, I was tr- pitching things and trying, um, okay. you know, and I mean, I, I hadn't like, I hadn't given up, you know, but, um, I mean, I don't know that I knew it right then, but after, you know, the, after the split happened and, 
you know, I mean, I watch, I've seen what turns look like. I know how they, I know what an impactful turn looks like. I know what the next night looks like. I know how they move forward in the story when they want to use someone. And then I know how my situation happened. So, you know, do them. I can, I can do the math on that one for myself of like, well, if you guys really cared and believed in us, then like, would have had a match course right i mean you can't tell me that you couldn't have sold something on that match you would never convince me of that like right. even if you think i'm absolute dog shit in the ring then just have him beat my ass for five minutes it'll be fucking entertaining you know whatever like sure but uh yeah so you know obviously um not not the greatest taste around that and um you know like the night afterwards i wrestled on main event and uh um, and then the, the week after that, I wrestled on Raw, and I, it was like 90 seconds against uh, Ricochet. Mm. So, you know, I was, I guess, I wasn't super optimistic. I can't lie and say that I was feeling like, oh, man, this is going really well, when I knew that it wasn't. Right, right. Um, and I could kind of tell I was getting lip service, you know, around my questions. I think, actually, I was, like, when they I probably initially wanted to split us up, Raw Underground was still a thing. And I believe okay. that I was going to go do Raw Underground, but then, kind of in the in the shuffle there, like we moved brands. But then we it was like three weeks after I moved to Raw right. where we actually did the split. Right, right. Right. So we got moved, and then we did a few things. We did like the El Gran Gordo thing, whatever, because we hadn't finished the trial yet. Right. So, right. So we we and then in that period of time, Raw Underground wasn't a thing anymore. They stopped doing it. So. Mm. Now, I just pieced that together. I haven't heard anything about that. It's just sort of like what I've tried to, I don't know if that's, I'm speculating on that. I guess I should say it's not, uh, should, 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 should. <laughs> got my tongue twisted there a little bit. Um, so, you know, that was, and I think, I mean, if I, if that was the case, that would have been better than anything that I did have happen for me. You know, I think one opportunity on Raw Underground, you let me hit a few amateur wrestling moves and show like, say, right? oh, yeah. all right, this guy knows what he's doing. Then of course. at least like that opens people's eyes that I have that and I can do that. And that, you know, and that's something that I guess, I mean, I probably should have done a better job as a member of Heavy Machinery of highlighting that. And I ultimately did not. Um, well, that's what I wanted to ask you because the one thing I noticed, again, being an MMA fan myself, that WWE doesn't really spotlight amateur background in some wrestlers. Like, for example, the one that always pops in my mind was when I found out Dolph Ziggler used to be an amateur wrestler. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like, why did yeah, they I not play it. that up? Like, I, it doesn't, like, even with Chad Gable now, they're not playing that up anymore. Like, the only, like, and for example, look at Kurt Angle. You put, you put that on his shoulders, broken freaking neck all the time. So everyone knew he was an amateur yeah. wrestler, and look what it done for his career. So, I mean, I don't know. I could take a guess at this, and my guess okay. is that they don't want to, that, they, that the company feels like it could potentially delegitimize other guys by putting these other guys over as, oh my as God. shoot fighters. Come on. Right, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Of course. Uh, you know, but I think... I mean, I've, I've heard that before as like, okay. not from anyone that matters, but I've heard that as sort of like other people sort of speculating on, on why that could potentially be a thing. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, this is, I'm, I'm delving into the realm of speculation here again. This is not anything that I've actually heard from any, any source. Right. Uh, but 
that's kind of my best guess is that that's, that's what's happening there is that they think that, I mean, cause otherwise I, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, like you said, it's, I know uh, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it can, it could be obviously with Kurt Angle or you have a gold medalist, then, you know, that's their thing. And maybe it's like, well, if it's not going to be your main thing, then you don't want it to be even, but you know, I think there's more nuance in wrestling characters today. It's not everyone has different presence and there's more of a meld in real, with real mm-hmm. life and your kind of wrestling persona than there's ever been, right? Sure. KJ is not really that big of a thing. Like, if you want to work the fans, you have to make them believe that there's backstage heat, right? That's like the, the next level of working people. You can't really just do it in the ring. They know that sure. that's, a, you know, that's a match. Like, that's put together. That's a performance. So, you know, I think that kind of is a piece of it. Well, one last thing I, I want to touch on quickly on your WWE career. How was it performing at WrestleMania? Oh, amazing, you know. Um, yeah, you know, did got to do my, my first match on the on uh, the main roster was the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Right? It was big. I was actually in Saudi Arabia for two weeks. Oh, shit. I was working the tryout over there because they were getting, uh, they wanted to get some Saudi nationals to work that show. Okay. And uh, so Dan Matha and I, and and then Canyon Seaman and Matt Bloom and, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the docs, we went over and we were there for two weeks in Jeddah oh, on wow. the Red Sea. It was awesome, man. I mean, it was a, it was like as cool a two weeks sober as you. Not that I like needing a drunk all the time. <laughs> sure. There's something about when it. you're like in a country where you can't drink, you can't get alcohol, and you're like, fuck, man, two glasses of wine would really put me to bed right now. You know, like that would help. I would go to sleep like a baby if I could just have a couple glass or a, a scotch. Sure. Um, you know, so. It was, but it was, it was cool. And so I got to do that. Okay. And, uh, and I think that kind of gave me a little bit of a taste at least to, um, walk out in front of, in a big stadium in front of a big crowd, you know? Right. Um, I think actually the greatest Royal Rumble was kind of cooler to me because it was at night. Right. When we did oh. WrestleMania, it was during the day. Right. Makes so, sense. Not, yeah, I mean, yeah. But it was just like walking out to wrestle in the ring, like during the pre-show during the, in the, in, in the daytime. Right. Just not the same as like when it's dark and the lights are going on and it's, you know what I mean? So no, not that, I mean, it was still amazing. Of course, like I got to perform at WrestleMania and, um, that's something that I'll, uh, you know, eternally be grateful for and, uh, look at as, as something that, um, you know, it was just a blessing in my life. Yeah, no, that's cool. So before we get to the word story of the week, you like to game. You're a gamer. Yes. Okay. Let's touch on this. First off, what got you into gaming? What's your systems of preference? What's some of your favorite games? Oh, man. I mean, I've been playing video games for a long time, you know. I started with a PlayStation 1, so, okay. you know, OG PlayStation. Sure. Um, big big sports game fan. Okay. Um, so I've had all the renditions of the PlayStation, except I don't have a PS5 yet. Same here. Okay. I'm kind of trying to wait for the second hardware version of that's it, how i am yes some issues okay um smart just yeah. i had an xbox 360 in there for a while mm-hmm. um got the got the switch yep same. love the switch had the wii yep um, same. Loves yep. tiger woods golf <laughs> just just been delving into mario golf super rush okay awesome game me too yeah switch. i love it you were playing it too? Yes. And, and, and I love it because the wife's not really a gamer. And these sort of Mario games, she gets into it. So okay. she, we, we play one-on-one. And you know what? I've been playing video games since the ColecoVision era. 
And she's beaten me on some rounds of Mario Golf. So it's accessible for everybody. That's why I love it. That's so funny, dude. The first time my wife and I played Wii Wii Sports and tennis, she whooped my ass. And I was like, (laughs) God, I was pissed, dude. (laughs) But I kind of loved her more for it. But you see, and that's what I tell her because she's like, oh, you lost. Do you feel bad? I'm like, no, it's competitive. Do you think I like throwing games to make you feel better? No, I want this action. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm, uh, let's see, a big FIFA fan. Been getting down on Fortnite on Twitch okay. lately. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I hope college football comes back now that the uh, NIL is a thing. Mm. Name, image, and likeness in the NCAA. And they can, they, can, uh, pay, they can pay the boys. I hope NCAA, I hope EA does it. And, uh, and they bring back NCAA football because that, that was probably my favorite game of all time. Um, yeah, I love the Mario games. Um, I like the Need for Speed games. Oh, okay, sure. Um, I'll play some Call of Duty, you know, for sure. I was, I didn't, I'm not a big uh, Modern Warfare guy right now. It's a little too slow for me. Okay, I, I loved Black Ops Four. I played Blackout quite a bit. Um, I think Battle Royals are are pretty great. Uh, mo- maybe most exhilarating gaming experience that I've had in my really? life. Oh, playing Battle Royals, I can't. I'm the well no. again. I'm old school, right? So I started playing yeah. video games before the internet. So I, I'm good with playing by myself. As weird as that sounds, <laughs> I don't know, man. Just there's something about, especially when I was playing Call of Duty, and it's like you've been playing it for 20 minutes or something. It's, okay. you, you can see there's only eight people left. That means it's your squad of four versus four other guys, and you're just like, all right, when's this shit about to pop off, dude? You're like, where's the where are they at? <laughs> See, but, but do you play with strangers or do you have like a friends list that you usually play with the same people? Um, both. I mean, typically I'll play with the same people, but sometimes I'll uh, I'll just go random. Okay, because I, see, I can't do random for the fact that, first off, my ego can't take getting beaten by a 10-year-old over and over again. And second, yeah. I hate the people who mod and cheat and do other shit. Cause, and then yeah. obviously the pay-as-you-go program or whatever, the microtransactions, and they get the one-ups and it's like... I can't deal with this shit, man. Like, I, I want to play, like, a long time. I don't want to play 10-second spurts and wait to respawn. That's my problem. Yeah, I got you. I get that. Yeah, I mean, and the Battle Royale is kind of the same because you die and you got to go back and, re, you know, relaunch. Right. Uh, so, you know, I can appreciate that. Uh, you can, I mean, I don't know what can see, but I got myself a Pac-Man machine in of the course, background yeah. over here, and I got myself a golden tee on the other side. So The one with the ball? The one with the ball. Oh, uh, One Up Arcade is the brand. They make, uh, oh, of course. They make cabinets that you can uh, you can buy and you have to build them. But I mean, you have to. You don't like. You just have to put them. Together. Yeah, you, it's like yeah. an IKEA deal, you know. Uh, no, so I've been looking at it. I want to get the NBA Jam, the Mortal Kombat. Okay, oh yeah. Um, I think they're dropping a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle soon. That one looks oh. crazy. So, and I think the Marvel one with the original Avengers game, and then they added some other games too. So. Yeah, they're they're good, man. They're yeah. so they they have this new product that I'm looking at. Okay. Just they just finished called the Infinity Table. Okay, and it's like a coffee table, but it has a screen inside, a touch screen, and they they're nice. gonna have like 50 games for it. I and they have like Monopoly on it. They're gonna have like <laughs> cool games on it, you know. So I don't know. It's kind of expensive though, like a thousand bucks, I think. Wow. But but if you could do it, you could do it. And again, in the end, it is worth it if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe depends on how much kids will like it oh that's true too alright ready for the worst story of the week let's do it 
All right. Okay. So we've been talking about food throughout the episode as well. So it leads perfect into this week. So are you a fan of like red meat at all? Yes. Okay. So what's your favorite cut and how do you like it? Oh, I like a rare lamb chop. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Rare lamb chop. Isn't that like very gamey though? No, it's the best with a little bit of mint jelly. What the hell? I never heard of this. Oh, yes, dude. You got to have the mint jelly with the lamb. Oh, I don't know. Well, okay, you're not going to like me already. I have to have my meat well done or even like almost Chicago style. That, oh. I know, I know. A lot of people... It's disrespectful, you know, but... <laughs> Again, being the European style, we used to barbecue everything back in the day. I understand. And hey, like, you know I what mean, I mean? There's cuts of meat that I like like that. You know, you give me okay. nice, nice thin meat, I'm okay with it. But okay, fair enough. But like a fucking ribeye, you know... Mm, anything over medium uh, it's a little suspect uh, i see i love me a, <laughs> a well-done ribeye and you're gonna laugh at this when i usually go out to restaurants i like filet mignon but i have them butterfly it and have it well done <laughs> no shit they always look at me like uh, and they look at you weird yeah i know yeah. but you know what i don't give a fuck i'm paying for this hey, you like what you like you know thank Whatever. you i mean it is what it is it is what it is okay how about leftovers are you a fan of leftovers i do leftovers yeah how many, I don't know that I'm a fan, but I'll do them. What, what's your cap? How many days will you let a food go before you throw it out or not eat it? Uh, probably three. Yeah, okay, I'm usually there. I'm, two, I'm about two. Three, I start pushing it already. It depends. It depends what it is. Like if, it's, if, it, if it has meat in it, probably two. But if, it okay. has, if it's just like noodles or something True. like that, then, you know, I mean, because I, da- I have a daughter, so I'll make a rice or something like that. Okay. I'll, I'll go longer, you know, but. Well, some people actually eat it up to five days, and that's an all other discussion. So, okay, so this week's story doesn't really come from anywhere in particular. So, do you remember that stupid Tide Pod challenge of a couple years ago back? Yes. Okay. So, apparently, the newest internet fad now, well, it, it's not exactly that new, but people have been doing this since, I guess, around April or May. So, we've been talking about meat. So, people thought that it was a good idea to post themselves eating, get ready for this, raw spoiled meat. And not just by like a couple of days. We're talking about cuts that are like weeks and months old. <laughs> Gross. Right? So, <laughs> would, I guess you wouldn't be down for that. Neither would I. So, other oh, than getting color, sick. Color, nope, I'm okay. So, so, check this out. This is the weird thing. Other than getting sick, people were apparently getting a euphoria from, from consuming it. So, people were getting high off of it. So doctors have confirmed that, yes, it's true. You actually will get a high, but it's not a good high. It's because all the bacteria is attacking your system and you're sort of growing delirious. Yeah. <laughs> right? So then there's another group of people who say they actually, this is not a challenge. They prefer to eat their meat this way. They actually like, it's almost, it's not sort of a curing style, but it's like they still eat. It's almost like how people eat blue cheese. Like, you know what I mean? It's sort of, blue cheese is like rotten. If you they think about it. it before? They no, they let it naturally cure, I guess. They, they just let it sit outside. Yes, almost like boiling in its own, I don't know, I don't fucking, whatever. But this is an actual thing. And pe- and I guess maybe if you do it your whole life, your system gets accustomed to it. We do adapt, I right? I don't know, but okay, There's so. They're still alive and they've been doing it, I guess. I don't know. Right? No kidding. So why shouldn't people eat it? But of course, and first and foremost would be the taste. I can't even imagine what the fuck that would taste like. <sighs> but. First off, you could contract salmonella, E. coli, and even botulism. Not to mention permanent stomach damage and even death. 
Yikes. What the fuck is wrong with people, man? Ugh, a lot. But what do you think's worse? Tide pods or rotten meat? God. <laughs> uh, boy. The that's question a tough of the one. day. Man. <laughs> I almost think the Tide Pods is still worse, dude. Because even though the meat's rotten, it's just it's still organic stuff that you're putting in your body. All it's all it's not. There's no like chemicals that from a lab and who knows what like those chemicals what might have on your. I don't know. I mean, obviously they're both bad, and I'm like, but I think maybe the spoiled meat is better because of that. But I guess if you gave me the choice, I'm probably eating the spoiled meat. Over the Tide Pod. I think I so, too. it depends on how bad this meat looks, though. Like, Okay, well, how about this? How about if you're able to just cook the spoiled meat, at least? Then I would probably... I mean, I, I would do it in, in lieu of the Tide right. Pod. Not like, hey, let me get some of that spoiled meat. Well done, please. Hey, you never know. Maybe this is something we could start up. The new fad, eating barbecued yeah, spoiled you meat. ship it around the country, around the world. It'd be really easy. We wouldn't have to really worry about it, you know? Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Well, Levi, thanks very much for coming aboard. Really appreciate you coming. Plug your shit where people can find you. Anything you want to put out there, go for it, man. Hell yeah, man. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Real Levi Cooper. Um, you'll find this email address, book. Levi Cooper at mail.com on both of those and my header, but that's where you can uh, shoot me an email if you want to book me. Um, and then I've been doing some Twitch stuff quite a bit. Uh, Levi Cooper live is uh, my Twitch handle. And uh, yeah, man, I've been, that's been the way my outlet for uh, interacting with folks and I've really been enjoying it. So come and uh, come check me out on Twitch and uh, have some fun. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it most definitely helps me out. And please, the most important thing you could do is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last thing before I let you go, my friend. Yes, sir. What's next for you? Yeah, man. So I, uh, my wife is pretty pregnant at this point due uh with our second in late september oh congrats so uh yep thank you and she actually uh she's an educator she just got a pretty big promotion at work so uh nice i'm gonna stay at home with the kids through the end of the year and then uh 2022 i'm gonna hit the ground running do some wrestling and whatnot um so i've been starting to take some bookings for for that year but uh awesome I'm going to be in New York in a couple weeks to do some signings. If you're in New York City, um, I'll be there um, the 30th and 31st of July. And I'll be in uh, in Albany, New York on the 1st of August. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, uh, you know, my wife, she's been very supportive of my wrestling career. And, uh, and she needs me to be home for a little while so that she can get this uh new thing that she's been busting her ass for off the ground. So, uh, you you know, that's going to be, that's my duty and I'm excited to do it. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. On that note, he's Levi. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.